Coming to you from the Eon Project Studios, overlooking the vast, pristine acreage of Primrose Village. Greetings from this hidden gem of the Blackstone Valley. You're listening to Experts of Nothing with Mike and Jay. Greetings, friends. Jay here from the Eon Project. And coming off of the extreme success of the previous joint show that we did with Brent and Luke of our sister show, From the Black Lodge, we are releasing a retro show circa 2009 from the days of Mike and Jay's foray onto terrestrial radio. We look to harken back to the past all the while while wetting the proverbial whistle until the next new and exciting journey of knowledge and nonsense into a wormhole of pleasure. The truth exists. Believe it. Live from the WNRI studios, perched high atop the banks of the majestic Peters River. Greetings from the jewel of the Blackstone Valley, Winsocket, Rhode Island. You're on the darker side with Mike and Jay. Konbawa, Mike. Konbawa. Yoroshiku Oh, I bet you didn't know we have a Japanese lesson today. Yes, this is Japanese. I got that. Well, before we get started this evening... Uh, I well, welcome to the show, everyone. Oh, yeah, yes. Welcome, welcome. Welcome to any new listeners. Welcome to any old listeners. Any people who are just listening and don't really pay attention. Welcome to any people uh, listening to the broadcast as we uh, send it forth into the airwaves. Into the, the, the ether. I must apologize. Um, and no, I'm not going to apologize for eating a chili cheese dog. <laughs> Um, That's I'm usually the, some sort of thing that you ate that you're apologizing it for. It is, because I get the heaves, and it's, it could be quite distracting yes, listening to me. I would say. Um, I'm, not, I'm a little under the weather tonight, folks. Um, not feeling too well. I might have a case of the swine flu. Who I hope, knows? I hope, I'm glad that there's a huge radio console between the two of us. Could be the swine flu. Could be the bird flu. Could be the uh, Ebola. Chupacabra flu. Who knows? One thing I know for sure is you will not find me taking any kind of vaccine. Uh, why no, not? I, well, I'm not going to be sticking any kind of foreign object into me. Whoa! This in is a family show. Strange liquid. <laughs> they're trying to trying to kill the population with these vaccines. But anyway. Well, that's another program for another day. But we we have a very special guest tonight we're going to get to in a minute. But we have a couple of things we want to get to first. You know, the this show is a lot like George Washington. What's that? Mythical and legendary on the surface. But when you peel the layers back, we're nothing but a set of old wooden teeth. Wow. How's that? That's profound. Is that Every that week could. we come up with new and exciting definitions <laughs> to describe what we do here. And we love George Washington. We do. We're George Washington fans, I would say. He's a, uh, he's a man of, of, of many faces, not the... Uh, not the He-Man character of many faces. No, no, no. Not, not just a, a man who you know, was the first president. A lot of people only think of him as that. He, had a, he, had a lot, he was a complex man with a lot of different variations to his personality. And last week we talked about some of the paranormal aspects of George Washington's career. That is correct. That he was protected by the hand of Providence mm-hmm. and not the city. And, and nobody seen And we also learned that muskets don't shoot straight. That's correct. <laughs> <laughs> but before we get to our special guest tonight, we had a couple of, uh, of uh, news of the weird stories, which is a popular segment on the program. Mm-hmm. So would you like to go first? Sure, I guess. <laughs> Since I'm on the mic. Since you're on the mic. So anyway, uh, my uh, my strange story is uh, we're going back to Florida because I'm in Florida too. Oh my! God. I hope we don't have the same one. That it's, would be embarrassing. It seems everything happens in Florida. Everything. Can't something happen in, like, Wyoming or something? Anyway. Nobody lives there. A Boynton Beach man was uh, trying to teach his cat a lesson when he fired his gun, but the efforts landed him in jail. Oh. Yes. That sounds interesting. Uh, yes. Police said a 43-year-old man was upset that his cat used his bed instead of the litter box. Of course, he probably didn't clean the litter box correctly. That would make me angry as well. So he took the cat to the garage and fired a handgun into a flotation device to scare it. Hmm. Yes. It must have been a thick rubber tire or something. The cat was not injured, but the man was charged with shooting in an occupied dwelling and using a firearm while under the influence. Ah, so beer was involved. He's being held on $5,000 bond. So I find it, uh, I don't find it shocking in the least bit that he was un- under some sort of uh, altering some sort of uh, substance. Substance, right. My, my story was also uh, from Florida, as I said. Whereabouts? Madeira Beach. Oh, never been there. Me neither. Madeira Beach, Florida. A 41-year-old man was arrested on Monday at a Madeira beach after witnesses said he repeatedly pretended to drown, then allegedly began tossing jellyfish at nearby teenagers. Oh. According to a sheriff's office report, Keith Edward Marriott, Marriott caused concern for his safety when he repeatedly submerged himself and then floated back to the top of the water. He was also loud and disruptive. Then he began throwing sea creatures. <laughs> he was arrested and charged with disorderly intoxication and carrying a concealed weapon 
which was a pocket knife, which he had in his shorts. And tossing crustaceans. And tossing sea creatures. You know, that's that's an interesting story, and it reminds me of one that I heard the other day. I'll just give you the, the quick summary. The, the Reader's Digest version. Yeah, about a guy who, uh, he called this girl, apparently the girl that he was courting, trying to impress, and said that he was, he was, on, he was in a boat on a lake or something, and that he capsized. Okay. And, uh, and he was like, oh, I'm capsized, I'm trying to get to shore, and then he hung up. <laughs> <laughs> and then he called her back, and he's like, oh, I'm, I'm going to make it, and all this stuff. Turns out that it was all a hoax. Uh, he was sitting in the parking lot of a local convenience store. With a beer. Trying to uh, to get the girl to be impressed by his uh, his manliness, I guess. Terrific. Anyway. Well, as we explained last week, we, we had a show about paranormal history and some of the unexplained events that shaped our country and the world as a whole. Uh-huh. This week we have a special guest, and I'm going to give the bio on her in just a second. Okay. Very excited about this guest. Very diverse uh, resume. Yes. <laughs> okay, so I guess we should probably just start. I'll give I'll give the uh, the background. Our special guest tonight, her name her name is Linda Wayne. I wonder if she's related to Bruce Wayne. We can ask. Okay. Linda Wayne has a Bachelor of Science degree in physics and has been a spiritual psychic medium, spiritual healer, spiritual alchemist, and paranormal investigator for 25 years. She is a certified Simitron facilitator, mm. certified sound healer, Yusui and Karuna Riki master. I hope I said those correctly. Probably not. Integrated Energy Therapy Master Instructor and Shambhala Multidimensional Basic Healer Slash Teacher. That's that's uh, quite the interesting resume. Linda is also... I'm not done. Oh, Linda oh is gosh. also a conscious past life regressionist, does more, does ghost rescue work, works with crystal skulls, and is also a mental and a trance medium. In July 2000, she participated in parapsychological testing at Harvard University, where she scored above average. She works hard to bring forth... Proof and evidence to her clients, and has several affidavits on file attesting to her genuineness. Genuineness. That's a word, right? That's a word. In addition to her spiritual work, she works full-time as a computer programmer slash analyst and is a proud mother of a dog and five cats. Now, did the dog birth the cats? Uh, we have to ask. We must have to. So why don't we go to, the, to, to Linda? Hopefully she's on the line and hasn't hung up on us. Linda, are you with us? Yes, I am. Well, well welcome to the program. How are you today? Fine, thank you. How are you? We're doing very well. We just finished your, uh, your bio, which is a okay. very, very interesting... Uh, resume, uh-huh. and there's a lot of terms on there that we're probably, and, and most of the listeners to the program are, are not probably used to uh, running across. Uh-huh. So what we'd like to do is, is really, um, uh, well, you're, you know, you're obviously diversified in various arts and practices. Is there one area that you focus on more than others? Um, well, I find that in my work, I, I tend to combine a lot of things because everything's sort of connected. Um, so when I do healing work, I tend to do it primarily on uh, my Cymatron, uh, uh, um, and I do the tuning forks. I do different energy work. Um, I even do the past life regressions on the Cymatron. Um, I even do some mediumship stuff, you know, in that same room. Um, so it's it's sort of all combined. Mm-hmm. So, uh, um, some of the things that you have in your in your that you you practice are scientific in nature, and some are paranormal in nature. Is that correct? So how long have you been, it, 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 the, see, I guess what I'm, what I'm asking is, did you start off uh, focused on science and then realize the paranormal world existed, or how did that work? Well, um, I was actually raised Catholic, and, um, but I was in a household where my mother was very open to um, Bigfoots, UFOs, ghosts, that type of thing. All right. And my brother was very into science fiction, so I was exposed to a lot of that. And then when I was around 13, I started questioning a lot. And I started getting more into the science. Right. And I was really interested in uh, programs like In Search Of, um, anything on the paranormal. Oh, with Leonard Nimoy, right? That was a great yep. show. Yep. So anything that was investigative, but, you know, with, with common sense, uh, investigating the paranormal. Um, and then from there, I sort of turned atheistic and got strictly into the science. And when I was in college, I started focusing on like particle physics and astrophysics, and when you start getting into particle physics and, and astrophysics, you really start getting into the realm of philosophy mm-hmm. and almost religion. And if you talk to like some of these uh, quantum me- uh, mechanic scientists, you know they, you, you start uh, they start talking like a very spiritual person. And uh, so, so you think that maybe uh, there's a there's a, a spot in science where you just can't explain anything you, well you can't explain it 
scientifically, so you're, you're actually forced to think about other realms. Um, yeah, and I also think that anything supernatural is basically we just don't know the science behind it yet. Right. It's sort of all-encompassing. Mm -hmm. and, and when I was in college, I had um, a very traumatic experience happen to me. A friend of mine was killed in a car accident. And um, all, starts, all sorts of strange things started happening to me, and I started um, seeing things, experiencing things that I couldn't explain. I was starting to freak my friends out, answering questions that they hadn't answered, things like that. So wow. I started doing a little bit more investigating, going back to some of the things that I had looked at when I was, when I was 13 and 14, and um, started looking at the science behind it, and that's how I got involved with it. Okay, Linda, this is uh, Jason speaking. Um, you, you obviously, we went through your bio. You have a lot of interesting things on there. Maybe you can uh, more specifically define some of the different... Uh, or positions or terminology that you use and, and Symmetron or Cymetron I don't know how you pronounce that facilitator yeah, it's based on the science of cymatics um, the big scientist involved is uh, a man by the name of Hans Jenny and he did a lot of work with sound and he would have these membrane membrane structures and he would put like grains of sand and he would send different tones through the membrane mm -hmm. and the membranes would create different patterns it was the same pattern for that particular tone every time they played that particular tone, but it was different for each tone. Right. Um, so a lot of the sound healing is actually based on that. Our body is mostly water, and so the sound actually helps to organize um, the water mo molecules in healthier, cohesive patterns. Actually, I find I actually find that very interesting because I think that's something that goes right along the lines with um, I don't know if you're familiar with the Rosalind Chapel in uh, I believe it's Scotland mm -hmm. where yes. they actually did that where they were they were looking at they were trying to decipher a lot of the different things in the chapel and, and decipher some of the different uh, symbols and codes that were in there and they they used a similar technique where they put sand on a uh, like a membrane like you said and they they he, he vibrated it with a violin bow to kind of get to s get different patterns I don't know if that's kind of the same thing yes yeah, it's, it's the same idea okay so the Symmetron is basically at the table with multiple speakers underneath the table. Mm -hmm. So you get, you're basically laying on a, a layer of sound. And then on top of it is a copper structure in the s shape of a dodecahedron. Uh -huh. And then there's two additional speakers hanging on the copper structure. So you're surrounded with sound, plus the patient or client is actually within the dodecahedron. So it also works with uh, sacred geometry. Mm. What, what type of... Uh what type of treatment would this be for? Uh, it can be anything, really anything. Uh, you know, emotional issues to physical issues, because a lot of physical issues are actually rooted in emotions. Um, example would be like Louise Hay. She did a lot of uh, work um, with uh, trying to figure out what thoughts were behind different diseases. Is there any documented um, cases where this, this, this works? Or I'm, I'm sure, I'm, obviously, you work with it, so I'm sure you see it firsthand. Can you give us an example of uh, something that you've seen firsthand that it actually uh, helps and heals somebody? Um, well, I've seen uh, cases of people who were in a lot of pain after a treatment. They would come off the table without pain. Mm -hmm. um, I know my instructor, uh, Maureen Spencer, she's a, an RN, and she has over 2,500 case studies wow. that she's done. And she's done it in a very scientific way with um, different uh, surveys, et cetera, to measure um, the progress of different patients. And she's had a lot of really good success. So I trained with her, and I'm finding similar results. Now, how much of that do you think is, because I'm a, I'm a big believer in a, a person's mind being able to heal themselves if they have the correct state of mind. How much of that do you think is, is mind over matter with the people thinking that this, this kind of technique is going to work for me so they kind of heal themselves? Do you think that works? It's probably a part of it, but I wouldn't say it's the complete part of it. I think it's a piece of the puzzle mm -hmm. because you're working with vibration. Uh -huh. And thought is basically a form of energy. Right. So if you're changing your thoughts or if you're you're receiving some sort of vibration that's helping, helping you to change a thought or an uh, energy vibration within your body, then healing can result. Mm. Linda, is this, is this a new technology or is this something that's been around for a while? Um, I know it's been around for around like 20 years or so. Um, a, a similar uh, table is called the Dreamweaver. Um, similar concept, just, you know, different name. 
And uh, I know they've been using that for about 20, 25 years. Hmm. Well, our, our guest tonight is Linda Wayne, and, and I want to give out the call numbers in case any of our listeners want to, want to ask Linda a question. I, I know that uh, she said that she'd be willing to, uh, to answer questions, but the music is telling us we need to go to a break. So stay tuned through the break, and uh, we will be back with Linda Wayne with all sorts of interesting things to talk about. Stay tuned. Welcome back to The Darker Side with Mike and Jay. Our guest tonight is Linda Wayne, a, uh, a, a jack-of-all-trades in the, in the uh, spiritual and scientific realms. So we have a lot of interesting things to talk about tonight. But before we get any further, I would like to give out the call numbers. Please do. If you have a question for Linda or a comment, you can reach us at 401, here in the Blackstone Valley, 766-1380, 769-0600, or toll-free from anywhere, including Africa and Antarctica. At one eight hundred nine four nine nine six seven four. Also, if uh, if you're interested in uh, learning more about Mike and myself, you can uh, feel free to visit us at www.thedarkersideradio.com. Uh, it's a relatively new website. We still have not uh, archived our past shows yet, but uh, that is coming. It's a feature that we look more than forward to. Um, but speaking of the website and something on the website that actually uh, ties into something that happened to me on the way over to the studio this evening. Uh oh. Before we get back to Linda. Um, if you go to the uh, the Contact Us page on the website, I talk about if you're interested in seeing a, a picture of Mike and I riding a Vespa together, you can uh, you can contact us via email. Mm-hmm. Well, on the way over here today, <laughs> I saw two grown men <laughs> riding a Vespa. And it in, wasn't us. In my neighborhood, and it wasn't us. Whoa. And, uh, and it was a Vespa. It was not a, uh, a Spree or uh, one of these other kind of scooters. Nice. So uh, it was uh, it was very interesting. I'm to glad see that. that you had that happen to you on the way over. Yes. Anyway, our guest is Linda Wayne. We're going to go back to her. Linda, are you still with us? Yes, I am. Great. Well, before the break, we were discussing uh, Simitron and the, yep. uh, the, uh, uh, the 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 process through which vibration is affecting uh, human um, behaviors and uh, healing illnesses and things of that sort. Uh, but you also have been involved in lots of other things. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Um, one of the other things that you have listed on your bio is that you are a uh, a sound healer is that would that be tied in with the Simitron facilitation? Uh, it's not so much with that. It's also with working with the crystal skulls. Oh, and that's something that we really did want to discuss. So why don't we just jump into it now? Um, for for the crystal skulls, uh, would you just explain to the listeners what 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 are you working with when you when you say crystal skulls? Um, well, there's uh, ancient Native American legends that talk about thirteen thirteen singing crystal skulls. And uh, the origin of the skulls are pretty much unknown. Uh, they were revered as uh, sacred tools for healing. Um, and they, a lot of times they, they would talk about how sound would be emitted from these skulls. So there have been some uh, archaeological discoveries on some of these crystal skulls. Um, what the most famous is probably the Mitchell Hedges skull. Um, that was found in the 20s in um, what's now Belize. Mm-hmm. And um, the interesting thing with that skull is that it's pretty, it's, it's pretty clear. It's almost like an optical-grade quartz. It has a detachable jaw, jaw. It has great detail with the lacrimatic bones, which is the, the cheekbones. Um, that skull actually was tested um, at the Hewlett-Packard Laboratories in Santa Clara. And they actually stated that the skull should not exist. It's carved against the access, so it should have shattered. Mm-hmm. And it contains three prisms and two lenses, which they, they said the only way that you could get something like that would be if it was created in zero gravity. Wow. So, so Hewlett-Packard's testing was pretty extensive, but correct me if I'm wrong, they, did, they, didn't, they weren't able to describe a method of manufacture or, or even come up with a date. For, for for manufacture. Well, the problem is with crystal, you can't carbon date it. Oh, because there's no carbon in it. Correct. How about that? <laughs> yeah, see, we're really smart on this show. <laughs> so the Mitchell Hedges skull. Correct me if I'm wrong. Also, but that's that was also referred to as the the skull of doom because it was supposedly used by ancient Mayan Mayan high priests to will people to death. 
Well, we have to put it in context. When it, when it was used to will people to death, it was basically a form of humane euthanasia. Hmm. So it was for people who, um, you know, were dying, there was no cure, and it was to help them to go on so they, they wouldn't continue in pain. Well, Linda, so maybe not all doom and gloom like. Okay, <laughs> maybe you can maybe you can clear something up about In fact, the. They're now calling it the Skull of Love. Oh, oh, okay. They've changed the name. They have a new press agent for the skull. <laughs> that makes it seem a lot more inviting, yeah. I would think. <laughs> skull of Love. Skull of Love. <laughs> it's a new so, show on the VH1. No, it sounds like a uh, Beatles song. <laughs> no, it, it could be a Beatles song. Yes. Um, maybe you can clarify something. Uh, the Mitchell Hedges skull, um, and the, the original story goes that that F. A. Mitchell Hedges, his daughter Anna. Um, while on a uh, an expedition, basically found the skull. Um, however, doing some of my research, the different the different uh, research that I've done, they they basically said that the Mitchell's Mitchell Hedges skull was apparently purchased, the, was purchased at the Sotheby's in London in 1943, and that the, that the original story of her finding it in a uh, a Mayan uh, ruin is not true. Um, there's a lot of controversy about this, um, but my understanding is. The, it was purchased in '46 um, from a, a Mitchell Hedges by Mitchell Hedges from a friend of his who he had sold the skull to in the '30s, mm-hmm. and he actually basically bought uh, bought the skull back. Hmm. Okay. And that there were actually all sorts of references to Mitchell Hedges having the skulls in the early '30s. Well, okay, so so we have the, the these crystal skulls. Where do you come involved with these? Um, well, one of the uh, skulls that does a lot of traveling uh, around this country is uh, called the Texas skull, which is Max. And the caretaker of that skull is Joanne Parks. And uh, this skull, it's actually the largest of the known skulls. Um, it also was recently tested at the Hewlett Packard Institute, um, found similar things, how it's cut against the axis, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I've had the privilege of doing seances with Max um, about, oh, I'd say about a half dozen over the last ten years. Really? Yeah. And um, I've also had ex- experience where after, well, I had heard about the Mitchell Hedges skull back, you know, when I was a teen. And uh, I always thought it was interesting. didn't think much of it. I then later uh, participated in a physical phenomena uh, seance, and in this uh, seance, all of a sudden people started going off with these chants and these tones that they were becoming entranced, and prior to that seance, there had been another seance by the same medium where all these crystal skulls had apported into the seance room. So they basically appeared? Yes. Wow. So you're... You're describing some of the things that that the skulls, uh, some of the properties of the skulls. But but are these seances, um, are they using the skull as a facilitator for contact with another world, or does the skull itself have powers, or how does that work? I believe what the, one of the keys to working with these crystal skulls has to do with toning and chanting and sound. Um, if you look at the Tibetan lamas, they always believe that knowledge. And it was stored in the skulls and the bones. And the llamas that had passed, they would actually keep their skulls and bones in a room. Mm-hmm. And when they wanted to uh, meditate on a question, they would go in this room and they would start chanting and get the information, allegedly, from, from the skulls. Mm. I think it's a similar type of process. Um, the most famous medium to work with these skulls is a medium out of Canada by the name of uh, Carol Davis. And I saw a video of her, and it's interesting, because she actually went into trance and started doing all this toning. And it's these weird screams. It goes, like, up the scale. Hmm. It, it feels very alien to me. Hmm. Um, and after I had seen that uh, video and then participated in that seance, I started doing similar things. So a lot of times with, like, the seances that I did with Max or just if I'm doing a crystal skull seance in general, Part of that would be all this toning and chanting, and basically it's like almost like a scream. And what I feel is that that it, it's triggering almost like a portal. Mm-hmm. It's allowing energy to come through with the skull. Um, I also think it works with like shattering thought forms um, to let new information through. I know when I have meditated with like Max and some of the other skulls and participated in like um, there's an organization that actually does world grid uh, crystal skull meditations 
I get a lot of images that are definitely like extraterrestrial in nature or Atlantean in nature. It's definitely very otherworldly. Linda, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not a uh, I'm not a believer in the fact that the skulls were manufactured in Mesoamerica or pre-Columbian America by the Mayans or any other civilization. I, I think that they're more of a modern um, invention that uh, that in the 18th and 19th centuries. However, that doesn't that doesn't uh, dissuade me from the fact that I believe I believe personally in energy, and I believe that these skulls can potentially hold energy. Um, as we know, everything that exists around us contains energy. So it's just a matter of, uh, of, of, of taking the skull and uh, using it for whatever purpose that you feel as though you can, you can uh, manipulate the energy for. Well, there's a, there's a lot of documented evidence of the strange phenomena around these skulls. Mm-hmm. And I do think, you know, I don't think we will ever know the true origins of these skulls. I think mm-hmm. it's impossible to prove from a scientific point of view. Mm-hmm. The only thing that you can do- document is um, the results of, of working with these skulls and just being around these skulls. Right. And I know um, even like the British uh, Museum skull, I talked to one of the, the guards at the British Museum, the Museum of Mankind, when I was there in the 90s. And he said he always heard sounds coming from the skull. Hmm. Lights would come from the skull. It would move. Yeah, it really freaked him out. <laughs> he had, he I can imagine. Guard, guard the skull. Um, I know with the Mitchell Hedges skull, a lot of people have seen all sorts of images ranging from like spaceships to um, primordial beings. Um, there's all sorts of sounds that get emitted uh, from the skull. There's lights. People have seen halos around the skulls. Um, I've seen photographs, graphs of Max that had, and it has like these brilliant like aura around it that just you really can't explain it with the photography. It's just really unusual light phenomena. So, so Linda, what's your personal opinion about the origin of these skulls? What, do you think that they're otherworldly? My well, my feeling is I think there are thirteen ancient singing crystal skulls. Whether or not we have them, or even some of them, mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, I do know that I have seen people receive healings from, like, Max. Mm-hmm. I've talked to people who have uh, received uh, healings and, and messages from the Mitchell Hedges skull. You know, it, 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 it works for them. Whether or not, you know, we'd ever get the definitive, oh yes, this is definitely one of the ancient crystal skulls, I just don't think that you'll be able to do it, at least in the scientific realm. Right. Our guest tonight is Linda Wayne. If you have a comment for Linda or if you have a question, you can call us at uh, 766-1380, 769-0600, or toll-free 1-800-949-9674. Uh, Linda, amongst your other uh, qualifications and, and, and whatnot, you also uh, you also do some work with uh, ghosts and, and, and other paranormal entities. Is that, is that right? Yes. Okay. Um, maybe you can talk a little bit about that. I, I know that uh, actually your, your email address is ghostrescue. Is, is that right, or something? Yes. Some yeah, ghost, derivative. Ghostrescue thirteen at gmail dot com. How do you rescue a ghost? Um, basically, it's ghost therapy. <laughs> okay. Um, you get to come in and sit down, and you you, you, you have it sit on the couch. Them, you send them <laughs> healing energy. Uh, you help to to basically um, create a portal for them to go through. Uh, you call upon their loved ones and spirits and their spirit guides to also come to them and help them through the portal. Um, there's uh, different uh, spiritual alchemy elements that can be used with the white fire and the violet and blue flames to, to help an entity open up so that they can pass on. That actually brings up a, uh, uh, an interesting point. My, my wife is a huge fan of the show Ghost Whisperer, which I'm, I'm sure you've seen, yeah. uh, with Jennifer Love Hewitt, who is a uh, phenomenal actress. I'm, I'm a fan of, of her. Yes. But she, <laughs> she, <laughs> she was. Uh, well, she is quite beautiful. Yes, oh, yes, yes. She's a lovely, uh, lovely actress. Lovely young woman. But uh, yeah, she's a fan of that, and that sounds a lot like something that she might do on that on that program, where mm. uh, she encounters a uh, a person who is not passed over, and she attempts to help not only the spirit but the person attached to the spirit, the, the living person, mm. uh, help them heal in a sense, and try to get that person to pass over to the light. Is it something like that? Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't have uh, experiences where it's so much the earthbound entity that I'm working with. Mm-hmm. There's a loved one right there, or there's like some message that I'm trying to give for that loved one. Mm-hmm. Usually, it's like the two camps. Either I'm doing a mediumship reading for a person that has come in, or I'm actually in a place where I'm trying to help um, 
earthbound entities go on. Do you, and, and this, this, you know, for someone who's not, and, and we, we deal with the paranormal a lot on this program, yeah. and we're interested in that and have been for many years, but um, we can't see ghosts. And we've we've uh, you know we've not seen one. We have tr- trouble um, with with that aspect. But do you see them, or do you just you have feel their energy? How does that work? It de- it really depends. Um, sometimes I see them. Sometimes I sense them. Sometimes I just know. It, it all depends. Hmm. I know uh, I've been to England several times, and I've had a lot of really bizarre experiences over in England. Hmm. And I, at one of the estates that I had gone to, I had come across this entity, and he gave me his name and all this stuff. And I saw him quite clearly, and I was talking to him, trying to convince him to, to go on. And I went downstairs, and there was this portrait. Wow. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, okay, who's that? And the, <laughs> the woman said, oh, that's Robert, the second Earl of whatever, you know. And I'm wow. like, gee, that's what he told me upstairs, you know. Wow. So, so do you normally, and, and this is kind of getting to the... Well, the the, um, the mechanics of it. Do you get called in to to help clients, or how does that work? How do you are you contacted to come in and do this specifically? I have I have uh, gone to places at the request of the owners because they're having problems. Mm-hmm. Um, I've I've gone to like New Hampshire. I had a friend who was having problems. Even though her dog was freaking out at that point, and it turned out that um, her house was actually built um, right near uh, Native American uh, burial ground. Wow. She was getting a lot of activity from that. Mm-hmm. So I, I helped her out with that. And her dog was actually a, a rescue dog who I had found out later when they had rescued this dog was with a bunch of other dogs. And in that house, they found all sorts of, um, like, upside-down pentagrams and all sorts of weird... So someone had been magic. dabbling in the occult. Yeah, and this dog was actually, when I first met the dog... When I started actually working the energy and everything, he was getting very freaked out, and I couldn't figure out why he was. And that's because he had seen the abuse of power and mm-hmm. the abuse of this energy, so, and so it frightened him. So a word to the wise, if you experience any kind of unknown uh, paranormal event or something that's uh, unexplained... Go ahead and look at whether or not you're living on top of an Indian burial ground, <laughs> because it seems to be the co- a common thread right, in, a, Linda, in a lot of haunting seems, cases. Yeah, it seems well, to be. Well, I had a friend who had a house in Brockton, Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Who, it was right on the edge of the Hockamock Swamp, and he had all sorts of UFO and Bigfoot experiences. Right, right. And up the street was an Indian burial ground, and he had like this little room, and it had like a um, a. Uh, uh, a door it was, a, it was like a closet door and we kidding used to call it the gate to hell because mm-hmm. it was like all sorts of this, this disgusting stuff that we would constantly have to do spiritual protection and things just to block it okay i, I have a, a quick question um well actually we're gonna be going to a break i'm, I'm sorry uh, linda can you hold on through the break sure great um when we come back linda wayne we're gonna be talking more about ghost rescue and some other things stay tuned Welcome back to The Darker Side with Mike and Jay. If you have a question or a comment, you can reach us at 766-1380, 769-0600, or if you're outside the area, 1-800-949-9674. And just to clarify, in case there's any, uh, any bit of confusion whatsoever, we're speaking with Linda Wayne, and uh, we also one of our sponsors is called Linda. That's correct, but they're not the same Linda. They're not the same Linda. So you can get a haircut by Linda, but she will not be a I'm spiritual sh- medium. No, I don't think Linda Wayne will cut your hair, but maybe she would. But you know what? That w- maybe that'd be something to look into, to franchise, maybe a uh, do, do spiritual multi- <laughs> haircutter type. Maybe. What do you think? Hey, you know what? There's all sorts of ideas, and that's one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Linda, are you still with us? Yes, I am. Do you Great. mind if we take a phone call? We actually have somebody on hold uh, waiting to speak with you. Okay. Okay. Hello. Okay. Uh, we have no callers. <laughs> uh, we had uh, some phone difficulties there, and now we lost Linda. Okay. Well, we'll just have to get Linda back. I'll call her back. Okay. So anyway, we were speaking with uh, with Linda Wayne, and uh, obviously from some of the things that we talked about, um, she is she has a BS in physics, which is quite interesting because she adds a kind of a scientific um, twist to a lot of the things that. Um, some other certifications that she has been a part of. Um, like we said, she's a spiritual psychic medium, spiritual healer, 
spiritual alchemist, which actually is something that I'm really kind of interested in, wondering if um, if she take, turns ghosts into gold. I don't know. That would kind of be a, an interesting thing to be a part of. But uh, she's been in these different fields for about 25 years now. So, uh, And she's also a conscious past-life regressionist, and that's one of the things that I'm very interested in um, getting a hold of her about. Uh, I'm very, uh, it's one of the things that I find very interesting is uh, past life regression. Well, we're experiencing some phone difficulties, and I can't seem to get Linda back on. But one of the things we were discussing before mm-hmm. the break was that she has to um, physically, well, not physically, but spiritually help uh, ghosts at, to move on. And that's something that we did discuss uh, previously. I think uh, maybe that's her on the line. We got somebody on the line, so let's see if it's her. WNRI, you're on the air. Hello. Hello, caller. <laughs> It's, it's Linda. Well, thank oh. you. Sorry about that. Uh, we had some phone difficulty, and I was trying to call you back, but I'm glad you're back with us. Linda, you're okay. one step ahead of us because yeah. you called in before we could get you. <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, I did speak with the caller who had a question, and rather than have her come back on, I'll just I'll just ask the question for her, if I might. Okay. And uh, the question was, what, what would be a situation that, that a ghost would need assistance from somebody like yourself that they, that they don't know? Is, is it not a natural thing for them to move on? Um, a lot of times uh, you will uh, uh, have entities that have experienced traumatic deaths, and a lot of times they don't even know that they've passed. Mm-hmm. So, so there's confusion. It could be a case, too, where there's, like, drugs involved or uh, even, like, morphine, uh, which they tend to give a lot for people who are passing, like, of cancer. Right. They can create uh, confusion where they don't really know where they are or what's going on. Um, a good example of that is actually the movie The Others. Oh, yes, with uh, Nicole Kidman. Yes, where okay. it's, you know, that confusion, they're not quite sure what's really going on. Mm-hmm. So, you know, my job would be to try to talk to them and say, hey, you know, you've passed, you need to go on. Do you have, your, have you ever run across uh, a, a spirit that doesn't want to move on? Um, no, uh, I think a lot of times, once that they have resigned themselves to the fact that it's happened, there's nothing they can do about it, and there are other things uh, better waiting for them. Mm-hmm. Once they're open to that, they tend to naturally want to gravitate to that because a lot of times, too, at that point, their loved ones in spirit will actually come and help them to to pass on. <clears throat> Linda, one of the uh, one of your the things in your bio that I'm that I'm interested in, and it's actually a, a fun word to say. It's Shambhala. Yes, I like to say I like to, to sit there and say Shambhala over and over again. Can it's, you, like, it's like a dance. It yeah, sounds it's like a like dance. The, it's like the lumbata kind right, of. Right. Could, could you explain a little bit what Shambhala is and what a mul- Shambhala multi-dimensional basic healer teacher is? Okay. Well, the the name Shambhala is actually it's a it's a place that allegedly where ascended beings live, and it's in the the um, Himalayas. And uh, hmm. it was John Armitage who took the name Shambhala Multidimensional Healing as his form of healing. Basically, he's a channeler. Um, it's another form of, of energy. Uh, uh, it's a, like a technique that's used. Uh, basically, it's a series, when you take the class, it's a series of meditations that basically help you become a clearer channel so that you can bring forth uh, stronger energy mm-hmm. to help, help whoever you're working on. Is the you, you mentioned the Himalayas is sh- the the word Shambhala is that Tibetan in origin, or is it from the you know, from that region? Obviously, it's 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 somewhere in in Tibet. If okay. I knew where it was, I'd be there. <laughs> oh, so it's so it's a it's a that's it's where a, the Yeti lives, actually. Yeah, that would be, I was gonna say that that's where the Yeti is. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean you to. You just stepped uh, over uh, my throat. I didn't mean to steal your joke. You Mike. did. That's okay. <laughs> my understanding is that the Yeti aren't allowed in there, unfortunately. No, that's too bad. I'm sure the Yeti is discriminated against wherever it goes. But so Shambhala is a would it be more of a, a state of mind rather than an actual geographic place or it is it, or no. is it a geographic place? Supposedly it's an actual ge- geographic place. Um, it's a very high vibration so that only people who are of high vibration are actually allowed into it. Mm. So there's some sort of gatekeeper keeping basically yeah some sort of gatekeeper whether it's it's just the physics of the energy or something it, it's it's like a portal um, supposedly there are, are places all around the world that tend to be like that. I know there's uh, um, like a mini Shambhala that's in Mount Shasta. 
which mm. is a, oh. out in California. Right. In fact, a, a, a friend of mine uh, was doing a seance on top of Mount Shasta, and they had like all these spaceships come over. It was quite cool. Oh, interesting. So, so basically, you know, a lot of the things tie in, a lot of the things that you're involved with tie in not just to the paranormal world, but also to, well, when I say paranormal, I mean ghosts and things of that sort, but also with extraterrestrials and other planes of existence. So it's basically all of the paranormal combined. Yeah, I, I think it's all it's all part of the same thing, it's just different facets. Hmm. I have to ask you this, Linda. I mean, growing up Catholic as I did, um, how do you reconcile your 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 religious beliefs with all of the things that you've experienced in all of these different realms? Well, uh, I mean, the, the the part of Catholicism that I took away from it was basically, if you look at like all the saints, some of the saints had all sorts of healing phenomena, psychic mm-hmm. phenomena whether it was, you know, hearing voices or, or, you know, even stigmata like Padre Pio. Right. Um, I would just say, well, they're ascended beings, hmm. you know. So so I don't think it's that difficult to, to, to um, connect those, that, that part of it. The part that I, you know, obviously would have issues with would be more of the, the whole hierarchy and structure of, you know, Catholic Church, which, in my opinion, would be probably more man-made. Right, and that's a lot of people's problems with organized religion is not in yeah. the religion itself, but in the people who uh, who have Correct. usurped it for their own purposes. Correct. Yep. Um, one of the one of the things that you dabble in that I, I find most interesting, and I don't I don't really know why. I just it was it's for years now. It's 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 fascinated me. Um, like Mike and yourself, I was brought up Roman Catholic, um, and this obviously goes against anything that the Catholic Church teaches, but. It's the idea of past life and uh, past life um, regression. And a quick story that, uh, that I, I, I relayed to the listeners a few weeks ago about something that happened to me in terms of a past life regression, and, and hopefully you can shed some light on this. <laughs> um, when Mike and I were kids, we were kind of messing around like any other kid would with a, uh, with a Ouija board. And um, I, even then, as a, a high school student, I was interested in past lives, and I was wondering if the Ouija board could... Uh, help me delve into the into my subconscious and into the past life, and into some past lives that I might have lived uh, years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the one of the past lives that it said that I was involved in it was uh, that I was a uh, an English uh, soldier during the uh, the French and Indian War, and I actually fought at the Battle of Fort Ticonderoga. <laughs> and it, it even went on to get a specific to say that I that I how I died years later, and I actually died of syphilis. Well, that's very interesting. Yes. Which and not surprising. I, I, I won't comment. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, it's a, no, it's a great question. Uh, okay. No, I'm talking about the civil part. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, the, the, well, I'm not a big fan of Ouija boards, mm-hmm. and I think you can get into a, a lot more trouble than good. Right. So I would never recommend people playing with Ouija boards mm-hmm. unless you really know what you're doing. Even then, I think there are other things that you can do that are better. Well, we have no idea what we're doing normally, so I think we'll just stay away from them. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. But, you know, a lot of times just in general meditation, people will have past life flashbacks. Mm-hmm. I know, like, I, I, ha- I definitely have very strong connections with England, and when I go there, I know where things are that mm-hmm. I should not know. So, what do you do in terms of um, summoning someone's past life? Do you do you put them under hypnosis, or how do you d- go about doing that? I don't use hypnosis. I basically just do light meditation techniques. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I'll even use some of the tuning forks to just help the person get into a light meditative state. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also uh, I either have the person sitting in in I have what's called a meditation cabinet, or I also put them on the simitron. And um, it basically, it, it, it's, it's a form of meditation, but mm. it, it's, a, it's interesting how real it feels when you're, you're reliving it. So th- Even people who can't mm-hmm. visualize, still, it, there's, there's just there's something about it that it's just different than like a regular, just like imaginary uh, type of thing. So the, uh, you mentioned the... Uh, uh a past life cabinet. That's, that's actually kind of kind of frightening to yeah. me. I, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of claustrophobic. Do you actually lock the cabinet, or how how small is it? Do you have to crunch into a ball? Um, is it is it a large cabinet? How does that work? Um, it's it's a very large cabinet. <laughs> basically, okay. my father made it for me. Wow. Um, it's it's basically just you know the you make a, a square or rectangle tangle on the floor and you mm-hmm. put the four. Um, uh, uh, 
vertical beams, and then you put another rectangle on top, mm-hmm. and then you just get curtains that surround it. So, oh. it's, like, so it's not really a, a box. It's kind of it's more like an enclosure. It's, it's more open. What normally happens with meditation cabinets, a lot of mediums use them. At least they used to use them mm-hmm. back, you know, 100 years ago. Um, but a lot of physical phenomena mediums used to use them. And one of the reasons they did that is because when you're dealing with a physical phenomena seance, you, there are certain controls that you want to have in place to make sure that nothing is being faked. So mm-hmm. they will actually put together the cabinet in front of everyone and actually have like people uh, who have come to the seance actually participate in putting the cabinets together so they know that there's nothing mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. So who would want to, and, and is it for therapeutic reasons that someone would want to delve into their past life? Is it for reasons why they act a certain way in this life? Or what's, what's a reason somebody would approach you for a past life regression? Well, I always tell my clients that the life they're living now is the one that has the most influence. So I always say you really need to look at, you know, childhood issues, et cetera, of this life and work that through. Mm-hmm. But past life regression can be a great tool to help you with things that you just you can't put your finger on it. Nothing sort of points to why you would have like a certain phobia right. or certain feelings. And a lot of times there'll actually even be physical scars that correspond to uh, scars dealt in, in other lifetimes, especially like with children. Hmm. Um, there's a lot of studies that have been done with children in past lives. And they'll find like uh, a child may have uh, a, a situation where they died in battle and you know, where they get shot, they have a, an actual like birthmark or scar. That's wow. one of the more interesting aspects of it, because you, there's a lot of actual um, d- documented, 100% documented cases of children who, and one that comes to mind, uh, just speaking of it, is a, is a case of a, of a young boy, couldn't have been more than five or six years old, uh, where he started talking to his parents about specifics of World War II aircraft and uh, some specific battles that uh, that had taken place and, and mm. very, very, was very, very specific about aircraft that, that had been flown at the time, and nobody could figure out where or how he came up with this information at such a young age. And so they began to look into it uh, in terms of past lives, and they discovered mm. that he was, uh, he was a fighter pilot during World War II. Wow. Yeah, there, there are many, many documented cases like that. Mm-hmm. Um, the, one of the big researchers was Ian Stevenson. He recently passed about like two years ago. I, I know Carol Bowman, she's written uh, quite a few books, too, on the subject. Wow. Um, we're, we're running short of time, Linda, but we wanted to give you an opportunity. If, if somebody wanted to, to contact you and wanted to avail of your services for any one of the things that we've talked about, how, what would be the best way for them to get a hold of you? The best way is to just uh, send me an email at ghostrescue13 at gmail.com. Okay. Ghostrescue13 at gmail.com for all of you who are interested. And uh, obviously, we, we could probably speak for hours about a lot of these different things. And, um, y- you know, you're, as we said before, you're, you're, you're well-versed in many different areas of the paranormal. So it's very interesting to speak with somebody with your background. Well, thank you. Well, Linda, obviously, uh, you know, like Mike just said, we, we certainly appreciate you coming on uh, and, uh, and, and sharing your knowledge with us. And, and we did have some people that wanted to ask questions, but we were not able to get to them because... Uh, yes, I, I muffed the phone lines. <laughs> I apologize for that. <laughs> so maybe maybe you can come back on another time, Linda, when, we're, when we've uh, figured out the board more. Sure. <laughs> Just let me know. Well, thank you very much. Our, our guest has been Linda Wayne and uh, Jack of All Trades of the Paranormal. Thank you, Linda. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, like I said, that was a fast hour. Went by very quickly. We could have asked uh, numerous more questions. You know, I, I, Mike, I really, I just want to say uh, to to all the listeners out there, I, I appreciate uh, you being my partner here on the radio show because uh, without you, the show would not uh, be uh, as good as it is. I, I agree, hundred percent. Without you or without me? Without me. Oh, so what would happen if if you did the show alone? It would be better. <laughs> so I'm holding you down, is what she said. You're say. holding me back with your foot. The foot is on my neck. Oh, okay. So you know. Well, it was it was a fascinating hour. It was um, interesting, and uh, in, in like like anything, any other topic that we talk about, uh, draw your own conclusions and yeah. go, go out and research this stuff on your own. And people. some of the things you know, we we don't we don't buy into everything, but you have to respect people's opinions, and you have to you know this is what this person does, and. You know, you have to kind of uh, keep an open mind, really. Right. I mean, and I'm sure there's some people listening. Uh, this is out there, but it's not any crazier than some of the stuff. And I'm not being sacrilegious in any way, but stuff that you read in the Bible. I mean, if you mm-hmm. take it for face value, it, that obviously is well, completely out there. But yeah, like Linda pe- said, though, there's right. things in the Bible. There, there's right. there's paranormal things that took place in the Bible. So you either believe them or you don't. Right. Everybody, obviously, everybody has a different faith. We would never 
we would never try to tell you what to believe or what not to believe. We're just uh, offering information. Right. So our guest was Linda Wayne. Uh, the It's ghostrescue13 at gmail.com. We, we never did ask her if she was related to Bruce Wayne. No, either. we oh, didn't ask. Sorry. But I wanted to do. I wanted to mention, while we still had a minute, um, about the Haunt for Hunger event that is coming up in October. Uh, we actually had a, an organizational meeting today. We did. Uh, and I think some of the folks who were at the meeting are listening to this program for the first time, so welcome to the program. Would you like to mention them by name? Uh, no, I would not, uh, for fear of embarrassment. You know, if you did, <coughs> they'd probably be more uh, willing to listen each week. Maybe next week I will mention their names if they oh, listen again. Okay. But the, uh, the Haunt for Hunger is a charity event that we will, we will be uh, a part of. October 17th and 24th in Blackstone, Massachusetts, we will be conducting uh, a, two, a series of two events, uh, daytime events being children's events, craft, uh, craft-related Halloween-type games and mm-hmm. uh, whatnots. And then in the evening, it's transformed into a spook trail mm. called The Haunting at Stonehill Farm, which is a very, very scary very attraction scary. that we've been working on for quite some time. And uh, so I just wanted to mention that again. If, if it sounds like something you might want to help out for, we're, we are uh, collecting canned goods. Uh, for this event, we're not going to be charging admission. We will be uh, accepting canned goods on behalf of the Blackstone Millville Food Pantry and the Rhode Island Community Food Bank, mm-hmm. two great charities. So um, if it sounds like something you want to help out with, we're in, se- we're in search of uh, actors and people who want to just help out logistically, you can reach us at mike at thedarkersideradio.com, and I will give you all the information that you could possibly want. And Mike and I play an integral role as we actors do. in the event. We are actors, and you will get to see us in person. And uh, and if you come on out, I will not tell you what character I'm going to be. <laughs> you but have to guess. Be, you will be frightened <laughs> severely. <laughs> you would have to guess. It's just an extenuation of your personality. So as, as Mike was saying, if uh, throughout the week, if you want to get in contact with us, which we much appreciate any kind of contact, emails, uh, comments, ha- we hate you, what whatever. have you. Go to www.thedarkersideradio.com. That's thedarkersideradio.com. You can email us. You can look at our pictures. You can check out past shows. You could even uh, draw a sketch of us if you feel free. <laughs> anyway, uh, next week we will have another exciting, interesting another, episode. So right. until then, just remember, the truth exists. Believe it.